Welcome to the University of Michigan Dentistry Podcast Series, promoting oral health care worldwide. Now, before we go to any of the overhead uh, diagrams that you've been handed out, um, what I'd like to do is talk about a couple of just basic principles. For some reason, the autonomic nervous system is an area that students find difficult. And I think there's some guiding principles you have to remember here. What we're talking about is the general visceral efferent system. Um, so we're talking about a motor system but unlike the motor system that we talked about earlier when we were talking about the somatic efferent system, this is a two-neuron system. Um, one, nervous, uh, one cell body is going to be located in the central nervous system and the other is going to be located in a peripheral ganglion somewhere. Um, if you keep that in mind, uh, that'll help us get started on it. Um, the other thing is then that an autonomic ganglion is going to have a synapse in it. And let's just contrast these with an autonomic here. As opposed to a uh, somatic or sensory ganglion. You remember we had the dorsal root ganglion as an example of a sensory uh, ganglion, and we said that it had cell bodies in it with processes leading out of it, but no synapses. In the case of the autonomic uh, system, we have got a cell body here, all right, but we have information which is coming into the ganglion from one cell body. There is a synapse between that incoming information and a cell body which then gives rise to a postganglionic fiber. So let me just move this down a little bit. Is that better? Um, so that we do have, in the case of an autonomic ganglion, we do have a synapse here and we're talking about a system in which the central nervous system is here, CNS, and the information is moving out it is an efferent system. The sensory ganglion, of course, is a system in which the CNS is here and the information is afferent. So we're talking afferent system and efferent system in terms of these two ganglia and the fact that there's a synapse or not a synapse. Now, we mentioned early on that the general visceral efferent could be divided up into the sympathetic system or the parasympathetic system. The parasympathetic system is the one which is called the vegetative state and the autonomic or the uh, sympathetic is the fight or flight. Or the emergency system. This vegetative is uh, basically uh, eating, sleeping, uh, general behavior during the day. And this one is uh, something you might do just before that exam. Uh, 
Um, now, the parasympathetic outflow, in other words, we're going to talk about where is the first cell body located. Now, it's got to be in the central nervous system. And in the case of the parasympathetic, it's going to be cranial, sacral. In other words, the first order neuron location is that first order location. That's in contrast to the sympathetic system, which is the thoracolumbar system. In other words, the first order neuron is located in the thoracic sympathetic cord or the lumbar one. Thoracolumbar. And that's the location for the first order neuron for this system. Now, let's get right away to the head and neck, uh, because I think that's what you're going to mainly be involved with as far as this examination is concerned. Uh, to do that, what I want to do is go back to an earlier diagram that we had for the spinal nerve, and only now I'm going to just simply work with it uh, with regard to the sympathetic outflow and show you how that works up. Um, this is the diagram we had for the spinal nerve. And we're back again at the T level, thoracic level. And for that, then, we can illustrate the sympathetic system. Now, I'm, not, I'm going to do an abbreviated version of this. But the first order neuron is located here. Okay, We said it was going to be at the thoracic level. Uh, this one, T6, would qualify. The first order neuron is going to send this information. Now, remember that this is an efferent system, okay? So it's not going to go out that dorsal root. It's going out the ventral along with the motor. Comes trotting down through here. And I'm going to use this convention of a solid line for the first order neuron. It's going to travel into the spinal nerve. It will overshoot and pass through this connection here. Um, the nerve will then pass into, let's say, a ganglion here, and the second order neuron is going to be located here, and the second order neuron fiber will then reconnect with the spinal nerve, and then at that point, the postsynaptic fibers can travel whichever way it wants to with the spinal nerve. Now, if we're talking about spinal nerves in the thoracic area, we're talking about the blood supply uh, or supply to blood vessels and so forth to the thorax. In the head and neck area, the thing that we're concerned about is going to be an extension of this system up into the neck. Now, what is this system? Well, this is the sympathetic trunk. Okay, so I'm going to label it down here. Um, Actually, what I'll do is I'll slide this down here. This is going upward. Uh, this would be at the level then of the cervical sympathetic trunk. Now, in order to make this thing work, I'm going to do an abbreviation here, and we're just simply going to show you what happens in the head and neck. I'm going to start this thing back 
up and we're going to go to a large structure up in here called the superior cervical ganglion. That is a sympathetic ganglion, um, and what's going to happen now is that you'll notice that it's up in the neck region. We said this was a thoracolumbar system. Well, the only way that this can get up into this area, if you recall, is that another option for this cell, the first order neuron, is to rise in this sympathetic trunk all the way up to the level of the superior cervical ganglion and there it will synapse with a second order neuron and postsynaptic fibers will travel to various points in the head and neck. All of the sympathetic supply to the head and neck comes from the superior cervical ganglion. That's the point of origin of all second uh, order neuron fibers. They can travel, travel or distribute, I should say, by two routes. And let me lower this just a bit and uh, see if I can't get this. It can go, and this is a general pattern for the head and neck, by vessels, and these are by arteries. And there are uh, branches which are going to um, go to both the internal carotid and the external carotid so that if you know that the area is supplied by a blood vessel, you know how its sympathetic system gets there. There are also what I would call perineural routes. Those are less uh, common but um, you can, uh, we'll find some examples of those in a minute. But that's the sympathetic system and how it works. Just a quick review back here, and I want to uh, relabel some things I just realized I, you may get asked on the exam. If you get back down here in the thorax, and this connection from the, the uh, sympathetic trunk back over the spinal nerve, the first order neuron is coming um, into the ganglion via the white ramus communicans. and the postsynaptic fiber is returning to the spinal nerve by the gray ramus communicans. And I'll just put down gray ramus C. White ramy, therefore, are found only in the area of the thorax and the lumbar region. Gray ramy are found at all levels. Uh, and they will be coming off the cord, uh, off the sympathetic trunk at all points to join all spinal nerves. But again, uh, that's a distinction you want to remember. Let's look now at the parasympathetic portion of the autonomics. And for that, um, I want to simply remind you that the parasympathetics are cranial sacral, And the first order neuron, um, first 
order neuron are associated with the our um, okay this is let's put it down here again cranial craniosacral and in the case of the head and neck there obviously is this cranial portion that we want to be concerned with and in terms of the cranial nerves that are associated with the parasympathetic system the third cranial nerve has is one of the nerves that has that uh, system associated with it the seventh cranial nerve the ninth cranial nerve and the tenth cranial nerve now in the head and neck it's just these three that you have to worry about and if you really want to get uh, tightened down on this uh, this one goes to the ciliary ganglion Incidentally, again, the ganglion is the location of the second-order neuron. Um, the seventh one supplies two ganglia. It's going to supply the uh, pterygopalatine ganglion. And it will supply, um, okay, the submandibular ganglion. The ninth cranial nerve will supply the otic ganglion. And with these four, you have supplied all of the head and neck. In terms of your national board, it is only going to be the outflow of these three that are going to be critical to you. The vagus nerve and the sacral outflow in terms of the parasympathetics are what supplies the abdominal area, the thoracic cavity, and if you remember, it's the sacral portion that's going to supply the lower abdominal and pelvic area, and it's the, seventh, the tenth cranial nerve that will supply the gastrointestinal tract through what's called the splenic flexure, or that portion of the colon, large colon. All right, now let's go to some specifics uh, in the head and neck. We're going to go to the, the salivary glands, and I'd like to use one of your handouts. Um, and you've got it right here. Let's first consider uh, what we've got showing. I'm not going to, I'll just tell you that this is the uh, lacrimal gland up here. Um, these glands are glands in a variety of different places. Um, this one uh, would, we will refer to as uh, hard palate, glands of the hard palate. The major uh, salivary glands are shown here. This one would be the sublingual gland. This would be the submandibular gland. And this one, which is in the lower portion down in here is our parotid gland. All right, 
what are the major actors? Well, we've just identified that in terms of the parasympathetics, um, we have the seventh cranial nerve, and that's what this is diagrammatically showing here. Um, and that is the facial nerve as it's coming through, and there'll be branches of that which are going to be going to two ganglia that are identified here. This ganglion is the pterygopalatine ganglion. Pterygopalatine ganglion. And this ganglion down in here is referred to as the submandibular ganglion. All right. Um, now, we mentioned that the sympathetics are going to be getting into these areas uh, via the blood vasculature. And we've got an example of that in this upper diagram. In this case, we have the internal carotid. Artery. And you remember that one of the branches of the superior, uh, from the uh, superior cervical ganglion was going to travel up with that Onto the, on the surface of the uh, internal carotid artery, and it will send a branch which is going to come down here. This is referred to as the deep petrosal nerve. The deep petrosal nerve is a sympathetic nerve, and I'm going to come back and color code these in just a second. This will turn red, which I'm going to use for coloring uh, the um, sympathetics and, and green for the parasympathetics. Um, now again here we have another blood vessel that you're seeing and this could be a branch of the external carotid system um, and in this case I will just put it in as being the uh, facial artery. And you can see that there are some postganglionic fibers that are traveling on in. So this is the way sympathetics are getting to there. But let's get to the um, business at hand in terms of the parasympathetics. This is the uh, lingual nerve, by the way. Now, let's trace first uh, the parasympathetics into the area of the pterygopalatine ganglion and the mid-face the glands of the hard palate, soft palate, and nasopharynx. But we're not, in, in for the sake of shortness, I'm not going to label everything here. The seventh cranial nerve is going to give rise to a branch, which is the preganglionic branch, which is going to travel to the pterygopalatine ganglion. There it will synapse and postsynaptic fibers can go up into the orbit, which we're not going to consider at this time, um, or they can ride down with the greater palatine, lesser palatine nerves, or other branches of the maxillary system to reach the glands of those regions. Um, the nerve that I've just drawn in green is referred to as the greater petrosal nerve, G. T R petrosal 
dorsal are going to form a nerve right here and I'm just going to put it a little asterisk right there and I'm going to write it over here, okay? And this is going to be called the nerve of the pterygoid canal. The nerve of the pterygoid canal then is a combined nerve. It's the parasympathetic from seven and it is the postganglionic sympathetics which have come off of this internal carotid and are traveling to the ganglion. They'll get here, there's not going to be any uh, synapse necessary, they've already synapsed and then they will continue and transfer information the same way on a perineural route. That gets the autonomics to the hard palate and soft palate area. Let's continue with the seventh nerve and follow it down into the perioral area. We need to get to the sublingual gland and the submandibular gland. The seventh cranial nerve is going to send a branch which will go across the tympanic membrane and then into the infratemporal surface or infratemporal fossa, join the lingual nerve for a way, and then get off. Some of them will synapse in the submandibular ganglion and send postsynaptic fibers to the sublingual gland. Others will travel down and go into the substance of the submandibular gland itself and send postsynaptic fibers, uh, very short ones to the submandibular gland. Let's go back and name this nerve for you. Came across the tympanic membrane, it looked like a cord, it's called the tympani. What else besides the parasympathetics is this carrying? Well, remember that it has parasympathetic and it has taste from the anterior third, two thirds of the tongue. Okay, so the cordotympany is a, uh, a fairly important nerve. It's traveling with the lingual nerve and that's how it gets there. In terms of the sympathetics, again, we talked about the fact that postsynaptic sympathetic fibers can travel on the vessels and any vessel that sends a branch to either of these glands, uh, it will also provide then the sympathetic system to the gland itself. Finally, let's drop down here and we'll talk about the parotid gland. The parotid gland is a unique gland. It's located behind the ramus of the mandible and it's important not only for the location of the gland but the fact that it contains in it the seventh cranial nerve, let's just say contents of the parotid fossa. The seventh cranial nerve is going to have branches that pass through it. A branch, the auriculotemporal of V3, is going to be there. The external carotid artery and the retromandibular vein. All of these things are going to be in the parotid fossa so that uh, it's, a, it's a fairly busy area. 
All right, we have the gland here. What are the major uh, features in this? Well, we have here the mandibular division. Um, we have specifically the, uh, the auriculotemporal nerve here. And we can see here um, another nerve, and this is our cranial nerve which gives rise to the first order neuron, and it's going to be the ninth cranial nerve, or glossopharyngeal. And we also have something here called the tympanic plexus, located in the middle ear. Okay, and now uh, again with the parotid gland area, we have some uh, major actors. We talked about the uh, ninth cranial nerve is located here, coming out of the uh, jugular foramen, passes down, this is jugular foramen here. Um, it is going to send a branch back into the middle ear where it forms the tympanic plexus. Um, passing right through the gland, we've already identified the fact that we have the external uh, let me just try this other pointer here, pen. We have the external carotid. Artery. Um, and I think that pretty much takes care of all the major actors here. Now let's start to put this thing together. Okay, the ninth cranial nerve is the location for the first order neuron. Uh, that's where it's located in the central nervous system. The cell body is going to give rise then to that nerve process. It comes through, exits the, uh, maybe I should label that as well. This is our jugular foramen. And just as soon as it exits the jugular foramen, it passes back up. I'm not going to let you even have to worry about that little foramen. Uh, we do that during the course, but not for national boards. Um, go through the tympanic plexus. And then it's going to travel across the middle cranial fossa over to foramen ovale. And it will pass through foramen ovale and it will then synapse near a ganglion which is located medial to the mandibular division of three. Uh, the postsynaptic fibers are going to then travel with the auriculotemporal nerve and travel to the parotid gland in that way. I can see that I've forgotten one ganglion. Which one do we have here? This is the last of the head and neck ganglia that you have to worry about. It's the otic ganglion. So that's the, that's the uh, pathway then for the presynaptic fibers, which are on their way to the otic ganglion, and then the postsynaptic fibers travel with the auriculotemporal nerve. What's the name of this nerve? Well, this one is our lesser petrosal nerve. lesser petrosal nerve. We talked about the greater petrosal, the lesser petrosal, and the deep petrosal nerves. 
the greater patrol soul and lesser and uh, deep patrol soul were associated with the uh, pterygopaltine ganglion, and this lesser patrol soul is associated with the otic ganglion. Now the sympathetic system, easy head and neck again. So we're talking about the outflow from the superior cervical uh, ganglion, sympathetic ganglion, and it's branched to the external carotid and then that travels in a perivascular route to get to the gland. Well, I hope this has helped you in understanding uh, rather quickly the autonomic system and reviewing it. And now, uh, good luck on your examination, and um, I hope that uh, all of you will do a fine job on the exam. Get some sleep night before the exam. That's the most critical feature. You want to work with a clear mind, not a foggy one. Good luck. You've been listening to a presentation from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, which is dedicated to supporting open learning and open educational resources. This recording is licensed under the Creative Commons. It may be reused and redistributed for nonprofit use. Please attribute materials to the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and redistribute under this same license. For more information on how this and other University of Michigan School of Dentistry recordings may be used, visit www.dent.umich.edu slash license.